they're going to have to beat Towson to win, and then they're going to play the one seed. So not not hopeful for the Dukes to. Uh, I don't even think they're going to beat Towson on a neutral floor, but we'll see. We will see. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Another week, another Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast. Joe Deck is with me. I'm Leland McRae, and we're here to talk about the local sports, and we'll get bigger. High school football is where we start because Buffalo Gap finally named a head coach. Uh, Brad Wygant gets hired there. He's going to be a former Wilson assistant. He's actually the current Wilson soccer coach. Uh, so a weird spot there accepting another school's job, but Hey, that's the part of the game. And uh, that's, I think it's a decent hire for gap myself. Uh, I'll hear your opinion. People throw hate at guys that don't have experience. There's only one way to get experience and that's, and that's do the job. He's a head coach for soccer. He knows what it takes to, to be a leader, to be a head coach, just a different sport. He knows football, He's been involved with the defensive side of, of Wilson. The defensive side of the football is what led Wilson to state championship when they got deep uh, during that run. So I, I am optimistic about what he will do. Yeah, um, there's no smaller classification except for one. Um, Buffalo Gap is a two, class two, and there's not much smaller class twos than Buffalo Gap. Um, so... Uh, I don't know where people think he's going to get experience if it's not at a school like Buffalo Gap. Um, I, I don't have a problem with this hire. I think yeah. I think whoever came into this job it was going to have their work cut out for him. Carter Rivenberg was so much of that offense last year, and now he's gone. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this. I don't know where the offense comes from next year, so I'm interested to see what kind of system he brings in, what kind of game plan he goes to um because like i said he's gonna have no matter who it was was gonna have a hard job if wygant can succeed here i've got news for you buffalo gap fans don't be surprised if he moves on uh quickly because if this guy can do it with this what he's gonna come into i think or or what i'm imagining he's walking into um it's gonna be phenomenal if he can get that team close to 500 i i think at least year one for Wygant and Buffalo Gap fans can't be upset if year one is a bit of a struggle because I just think when you lose a guy like Carter Rivenberg and he was so much of your team, I don't know what they expected to walk through the door. It's not like college. You can't recruit kids. You got what you got. And, um, you know, now to be fair, I didn't see Buffalo Gap JV football. So I don't know. Maybe they've got another workhorse waiting in the wings, but based on what I saw from the varsity level this year, when Carter Rivenberg didn't have the ball, there wasn't a whole lot going on. So I mean, they have some nice players that can do things, and they weren't asked to carry the load last year because you could give it to Rivenberg, and he would get yards. I mean, they went up to Clark County in a playoff game, and everybody in the state knew who was going to get the football. Clark County couldn't stop him. So, yeah, but he's not back. Like, that's my thing. Yeah, he's oh, not yeah, back. But that's my that's that's my point is these other guys haven't been asked to carry the load. So I would be interested to see what they do. I'm not going to rule them out. I, though, do agree with you. Even if they do step up and perform well, you're you're missing a lot. I mean, you're still missing. A, you're going to have a lot of holes next year. And, yeah, a little bit of struggle last year shouldn't be anything to get worked about. I would assume the fans there will be level-headed ab- about that and wouldn't get that fired up for one down year or, or even two years of kind of building it back with a new coach. I wouldn't be worried about that um, as a closet Buffalo Gap fan. I won't be worried about that. But um, I, I like the hire. and I, I think, think it's a good uh, hire. He's got a lot of potential. He knows what Buffalo Gap is. He's coached against them for eight years at least here. He knows what that school is. He knows the kind of players he'll have. I think it's a good hire. Um, you know, the, the, the other part of the debate of this, and we said this about every one of these jobs, is, man, I wish I could know who else they interviewed or who else put their names in. And you just have to wonder who else applied for that job what what was rod bowers role and all that what will his role be moving forward so um it's all interesting there but um i i think he has a a bright future potential ahead of him no reason to think um anything bad uh in the long term so good for him happy for him yeah and i'm also interested to see what kind of system he brings in like i said i mean that's the other thing with all these high school vacancies right is this coach gonna keep the same system that's there is he gonna tweak it is he gonna totally revamp it 
if Utility revamps it, that's going to take some time to build too, because yep. those kids have to learn that. So, and, and you I just think have to be patient for and, some change. Yeah, that's fine. Where as much as we've laid into Riverheads needs to keep doing what they're doing, Buffalo Gap probably has some room to change. You know, they they're not going to go to a spread offense. I wouldn't think you, you're not you don't have the athletes out there that are going to fill a spread offense roster card. But what can they do with the players they have? And I, they have a lot of potential. They used yeah. to run a lot of pro formation when I was playing against Buffalo Gap. I could see them going back to something like that. And I look, you. Yes, short term success. Riverheads absolutely has to run the same system they're running. But if another coach came in, and I'm not saying that's what's happening now, but oh, yeah, if they were to hire a coach, yeah. yeah, if they were to have hired a coach that wanted to totally run a different system, it would take a while for that to work. Yes. But that should be, if that's what that coach wants to do and the athletic director and the principal or whoever's involved in the hiring thinks this is the best guy for the job, we think he's going to do a good job molding these kids, and we've that's at the end of the day more than wins and losses especially at the high school level i know that fans don't sometimes like to hear this but that's what's most important is being a good role model for the kids and developing them for the rest of life if they think that guy's the best guy then him coming into totally doing another system you need to let him then do the system and let him get his players in there and teach them the system and in this case i trust buffalo gaps uh leadership so it should be good there Let's move on to high school basketball. We're going to get a lot into high school basketball with Cody coming up. Really talk about East Rock a whole bunch. But uh, the class one, when we left you last week, we were wondering what the Riverheads girls would do. They ended up falling early in the week in the state semifinals to Surrey County. And then Surrey lost to Perry McClure. And, and where I kind of said, hey, wouldn't that be neat if Riverheads played Perry McClure in a state final? Kind of after everything not. said and done, I'm, I'm glad they didn't because it, <laughs> it might have been a beatdown uh, against the uh, team from Univista. So Perry McClure wins their third straight uh, uh, Class 1 state championship. So congratulations to them and the Blues, the Lady Blues down there doing a great job. Yeah, Lady Blues uh, get another championship. Uh, as you said, three straight, that's pretty impressive. And uh, you know what? Good, good season for Riverheads as well. Um, again, you touched on it. We will talk more about it. But East Rock did take a walloping from Radford and the Bobcats. The Bobcats, quite impressive, Leland. Um, most of their Third success house. being on the Class 1, but Class 2 was the first year that they moved up to that. They got to a state semifinal, lost to eventual state champion Gate City. This year, win it all. Yeah, that's that's really good. And they've they've been around the top for the last five years, has Radford. So yeah. uh, that's just a really good program. Uh, in the Class 2 girls, uh, I know we have a lot of girls teams around here competing for that central wise one another one i think they've won three of the last four they beat mm-hmm. greensville uh, they whooped them so uh, no drama there that was the team that beat buffalo gap last year yep and class three spotswood girls win their fifth state championship in school history first since 2016 and they beat hopewell by double digits getting that big 10 point win and on the boys side north side beats phoebus i it just makes me mad seeing phoebus at the state championship in basketball. I mean, they're so good in football. Why do they need to be good in basketball too? That's messed up. Hey, that's a big weekend <laughs> for the Southwestern part of the state, uh, for Radford oh, yeah. and Northside. Yeah. Northside's a good team. Uh, they're a team. They beat Waynesboro like four years ago in the playoffs. And I was really impressed with that program. They had young guys then even playing. Uh, so yeah, good job there. Class, and their coach has been there forever. I believe. Yeah. Class four girls was Pulaski County, uh, from that part of the state as well. in Dublin, Virginia, home of Gary Clark for all you Redskins fans. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, more basketball coming up with Cody, but we're going to move on to college basketball. Um, we're going to talk about the ACC tournament, but first ACC awards got handed out and I was, I, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm going to try to approach this from an objective point of view. Okay. I I thought Buzz deserved coach of the year because I'm a homer. But even objectively, I am surprised that Bennett won it. He won it last year. And to win it this year, I thought it was a, I thought they were expected to be good this year. I thought they were bringing enough back that everybody thought UVA would be really strong this year. I didn't see, I mean, maybe they're just crediting him for being coach of the year because he actually told his, you know, coaching in a way to allow his team to score a little more points. I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't see that coming. I did. Everybody was talking about Roy Williams, and I, it seemed like the argument was Roy. That would have been that would have been bad. Roy would have been a bad choice. Yeah, I didn't really like that. I I thought I was easily arguing against that. Buzz finishes second, but it wasn't close. Bennett won it going away, and um, 
I guess that'll just stick in my mind for future coach of the year considerations. I just keep coming back. And it's the phrase everybody seems to say buzz does more with less. He does it year in year out. And this year was just a prime example of that before the season started. There was two more guys that were going to be in his first six rotation. Um, and yeah, he lost those guys before the season even started. Then he loses J Rob in January and finishes out the season fairly strong without him a lot better than even I probably thought they would have. And it, maybe if they just beat Florida state last Tuesday, maybe that gets him the award, but they, they fell last Tuesday. It seems like it kind of took some air out of that bubble maybe, but Bennett gets the coach of the year. He's a good coach. I'm not, we're, we've talked about Bennett a lot on this podcast. He is a good coach, but everybody's got to slow their roll on putting him up there with coach K and with Izzo and with Dean Smith and with, uh, yeah, Wooten, I mean, everybody just, Phil he's Jackson. not there yet. I mean, my goodness, greatest he coach in the country. I, I have seen that too many times this year. Tony Bennett is greatest coach in the country. Tony Bennett has been to zero final fours. You are not the greatest coach in the country. Mark few is a better coach than you. Gonzaga is a tougher job than UVA ever Jay was. Right. Jay Wright at Villanova. Easily yeah, better. at least you can say Villanova was there before, but Gonzaga never was and never will be as good of a job as UVA. And Mark Few does it year in, year out. In a crappy conference, he somehow convinces kids to go up to Seattle where it rains 6.5 days of the week and play basketball. Yeah, And he has been to a Final Four. He has been to multiple Final Fours, I believe. Um, yeah. Too, yeah, at least. yeah, and he's sorry. had his failures. He's he's as a one seed, he's failed. But not that's like what you, makes him equal with Tony. Bennett. The only thing Tony Bennett has ever yeah. done that no other coach has ever done is lose to a 16 seed. That's it. Sorry, you're not the best coach in the country if you've never been to a Final Four, and you're also the only coach to ever lose to a 16 seed. I know that hurts UVA's fans' feelings. I know they're a soft bunch, but you need to hear it. Your coach is not the greatest coach in the country, as Leland said. He's a good coach. Get to a Final Four. He'll be a great coach. Just let him do it. Like let him. Let yeah, him get don't there rush it. Crown don't him. rush it. Yeah, like I don't know. And and I'm not saying that doesn't. He means he doesn't deserve a Coach of the Year award. He he's a good coach. He deserved it last year for sure. Um, I didn't really argue with it last year. I'm just surprised this year because I knew UVA would be good. I while we're here, it's I like do, they have to overcompensate for losing to a 16 seed. Yeah, it does kind of feel that like it, it, it's just just slow down because I don't know if you know, but that loss did not define their season, even though it's the only thing everyone <laughs> else remembers about it, except for them. It didn't yeah. define their season. They won the ACC last year. No one talks about that. And now they're all happy. They won the ACC this year. And it's great. I want to win ACC at Virginia Tech. I want to win ACC. We but never will. I would consider that <laughs> on the road to what I want to do as a program. And it seems like they just want to hang a banner for that instead of realize the importance of what playing in April means when you got to play in April to be in that final. I four. tell you what else, what else I've seen though. I've already seen UVA fans start to hedge their bet. Yeah. They're already like, well, they're going to put Michigan state in ours. Well, but even yeah. if he doesn't go to a final four, it doesn't mean he's not the greatest coach in the yep. country. Be like, no, actually that's exactly what it yeah, means. It does. But <laughs> it does. And they're also like hedging like an early exit. And what did I say to you in the text? 16, if they get to the round of 16 and lose there, that's embarrassing for what they've built their program to. If they lose in the Elite Eight, it's not good. It's a disappointment, but maybe it's not embarrassing. But yeah, if you lose... Oh, he's the greatest coach in the country. Games, if he doesn't get to the Final Four, it is absolutely embarrassing. It just depends on that Elite Eight. I would give credit to... No. They, no matter. No, he's the greatest coach in the country. I've already read about it too many times. The greatest coach in the country would win get. the national championship this year. I've already heard them hedging too on what two seeds they're going to get. And like I mentioned, Michigan state who cares? or Michigan. you have the greatest coach in the country. Who do you, yeah. why do you care who you draw? Whoever, you, all the two seeds are going to be good. All Let's the just hope they don't draw UMBC. Capable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but I, don't I do want to go back speaking of, and now I'm going to complain a little bit. Um, I know. And I will say this UVA fans. I don't want Virginia tech to play UVA in the ACC championship, which is that. what, what it looks like may happen if Virginia Tech wins enough it's games. It's what we want to have happen. Well, that's what I want to have happen now, but Unless I'm not looking UVA forward to it. No. I'm not looking forward to it, but you are. Um, right. I'm not. I I am fully aware that Virginia Tech is going to get crushed in that game. Leland has faith, and good if for Leland. If we're playing Friday, who is who who are we, who are we not going to get crushed to crushed by in your mind? Duke. If we get to Friday, 
I mean, I mean, the way it was lining up. Duke. Now it's got to be UVA. But Duke. <laughs> Duke Man. with Zion. I'm more scared of Duke with Zion. I don't think I Zion's do. playing. I, I would do. rather Coach, play Duke. Coach K seems to. Cool. Coach K said he was going to play this week. Cool. Okay. We'll see what happens when this week rolls around. But then let me just nail this. I wanted the opportunity to beat him. If we are going to play in, on Friday, which means we won on Thursday, we were going to play a, one of those top three teams, Duke, uh, UVA, or North Carolina. I'd, if, if, you would convince me that even one of those teams are going to rock us. So I want my chance at UVA. I want the team that always talks about how great they are. I, as a rival, I just want them. And if we lose, we lose. But I like the opportunity. I want the opportunity. I'm glad we have that in front of us. I don't think Zion's playing, so I would take Duke one. And then he UVA. Is, he is playing. He's going to play. He's not going to play. Coach K said it after the game on North Carolina on Saturday that Zion was going to play this week. I think they would have played him against North Carolina if he was healthy. Or want it, had any rest. interest? What do I know? What does Coach K know? I'm thinking Zion's going to get there and say, you know what? I thought about it. I really want to be that number one pick. I'm not playing. He's going to put on his Adidas and play. Um, <laughs> but the team I do, the team I am looking forward to getting a, another piece of is Florida State. And yep. barring a catastrophe and us losing uh, in our first game, we get Florida State. Yeah. Um, and. Let me tell you, as long as we don't have that same officiating crew, we are going to absolutely run the floor on Florida State on a neutral floor. That team was at home on senior night and should have lost. I hate... I'm not going to pretend like the officiating was the only factor. We went ice cold from the field, yeah. and that hurt us. But if Kerry Blackshear doesn't pick up three very questionable foul calls, we handle that crew of flunkies in Tallahassee and embarrass them on national television because they didn't have anything going when Blackshear was allowed to actually play basketball. Somehow Blackshear gets bolo punched in the back of the head. And that's a common foul. If Virginia tech had done it, I guarantee you it would have been a flagrant one because I've seen Virginia tech get called for some questionable flagrant ones this year. But if after that they were like, Oh, okay, we got to get control of this game a charge where the guy from Florida state is moving the entire time and then flops like a fish and was never in front of him, never like, in front of him. Yeah. Flops like a fish. That's a charge. Kerry Blackshear is straight up guy from Florida state jumps into him, initiates contact. That's a block now. And then Kerry Blackshear boxes out a guy after getting two hand pushed in the back recovers boxes out and he gets called for a foul. I'm sorry. Those officials get way too animated with their, with their call to it's like when you see the little videos and this is why you need to get rid of these videos because people laugh at I'm like oh the umpire you know doing a break dance while he calls strike three on a kid oh, like oh, oh, oh. that guy needs to realize we're not here for him we're here to watch the players no one ever goes to watch the umpire or the officials and when we notice you you're doing your job poorly and that's exactly what these officials did I saw jumping in the air block calls I saw, uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, other than like uppercut punch charge calls. <laughs> um, uh, it's ridiculous from these officials. And the only reason they were doing those calls, it was very obvious, was to play into the crowd because the crowd got super jazzed every time they did it. Yeah. They, well, they were I, very muted calls when it was against Florida State because they knew they were going to get booed. I, uh, since you talked positively about a Virginia Tech sports or a team that you like, I'm going to leave that there. Virginia Tech, they play Wednesday at 2 against the winner of Georgia Tech Wake. And then uh, they they stay at that 2 o'clock spot or 2.30 on Thursday and would play Florida State if they're able to win. UVA gets the nooner on Thursday. And then uh, if they do face each other, it'll be Friday night at 7. I'm already uh, canceling other plans so I can make sure I can watch that. Uh, if somehow Virginia Tech does get that win on Friday, I'm uh, not at home on Saturday and will miss the uh, ACC championship game, no matter who's in it. So uh, I'm going to be watching my phone in, in a uh, concert, I guess. Would you like me to text you? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about these other ones. Let's get through them quickly. I watched the Radford game pretty much start uh, to disappointing. finish. Garner Webb beat them. Uh, they weren't that impressive. Just Radford just couldn't get going and 
the one mini run they had in the second half really wasn't enough. So Garner Webb wins the Big South. They will represent the Big South as a 16 seed in the tournament. And uh, Radford, I I guess hopes for the NIT. I don't know how. I know the NIT has some like no NIT commit, goes to the regular season champion. But Campbell and Radford finished tied, so I I guess Campbell still was the one seed. Campbell, yeah. Um, one way or the other, Radford will um, get the CBI or whatever goofball yeah. thing comes next. But that's the life you live in the uh, Big South. Hampton was in that tournament. Um, and Longwood, they played each other. Hampton beat Longwood and then went lost down. to Campbell. Yep. Uh, Atlantic Sun, Liberty won. I watched most of that game. Uh, I was outside some, but Liberty won that game. Uh, their first trip to the tournament since 2012. Kind of the moment of the game was down the stretch when Scotty James, and right then, your name's Scotty. You need to make some adjustments in your life. Wow. He had one of the worst flops I've ever seen. You talk about flopping like a fish from Florida State down there. This was the worst flop I've seen in quite a while. They were already getting physical. There was already stuff going on. A made shot happened, and he fell on his back, which was kind of floppy already. But then he saw the player running towards him to get down the court, and he gets up as quick as he can to get in his way and like kind of jolt over, and then he flops like a fish and jolts his whole body. He is horizontal to the court and uh, and gets the whistle, and they go over and review it. And basically, in the explanation from the referee to the uh, the crew doing the game on TV, he said the player acted like if he would have acted less, there'd have been a better chance that the call would have gone for a, for a technical foul for a flagrant one. But instead they left it a common foul and kept the game moving. I do not like that kid. He's one of their big best players, Scotty James number 31. I don't, I don't know. I didn't like that moment. Isn't him acting supposed to be a technical on him? Isn't that a rule? I guess they just left it in the new. They don't call it. it. It was very obviously. And they called it out. I guess they didn't call it. They did not call it that way, but it was something. In the CAA, JMU had a late second victory over Towson to surprise everyone. Um, especially Joe, uh, especially Joe Deck. That's, yeah, that's that was the <laughs> biggest win since our conference championship to send us to the NCAA tournament was the first round win against Towson. And then a spirited effort against Hofstra came up short because they Hofstra yeah. is just better than we are. Um, yeah. William They're and Mary. Wow. Disappointing for the tribe. They go out in their first game to number five seed Delaware. Disappointing for the tribe. They should be embarrassed. Uh, that's, VMI, the, that's the championship. Hofstra versus Delaware. Cool. Delaware is going to lose. Um, so congratulations on making it to the tournament. VMI beat West Carolina, and then they went up against Wofford, and Wofford is a machine uh, and uh, dismantled the Kedets. I like them because they have a Boston Terriers, their logo. That's that's why I like them. Okay. Conference tournaments still yeah. to be played. Uh, Norfolk State is the one seed. They'll play the winner of Maryland Eastern Shore and South Carolina State. In the MEAC, Conference USA sees Old Dominion as the top seed. They'll play the winner of Louisiana Tech and Florida Atlantic. In the A-10, VCU, the one seed. I know you're never going to root for VCU, but nope. I'm going to root for them to win that Choke, baby, choke. Make it to that tournament. George Mason, the five seed, who I say I like to root for because of Justin Kyer. They're the five seed. They'll play choke, the winner baby, of choke. George Washington and UMass. And then Richmond, who of those teams, I would root against the first. Nope. Uh, I don't like the Spiders. Uh, they are number 11 seed, so they got some work to do. And they will play Fordham. Mm-hmm. And uh, the winner will go on to face St. Louis as the sixth seed. So uh, all those tournaments go in this week. Question, do you know what St. Louis mascot is um they're not the friars nope, uh that's Saint providence Lewis. yeah um no what is it i'm not gonna the billikins oh the billikins i i i, I wouldn't have gotten there but that's good <coughs> excuse me also the caa women they get started this week mm-hmm. jmu the one seed it's getting played up in delaware but jmu looking to get back to the tournament i believe for the first time uh under their coach uh since kenny brooks left yep and good good for the Lady Dukes. I think they can do it. They've got a good team. Yeah, they are solid. All right, Leland, moving on to the NFL. Your dumpster fire of a franchise finally got rid of Antonio yeah. Brown. Um, they got a third and a fifth from the Raiders. I'm not going to lie. When I saw they were thinking about trading him to the Bills, <laughs> even though I mean, it's like the, the least internet. damaging thing that can happen to yeah. the Steelers, 
I loved it from the standpoint of Antonio Brown's demanding to be traded, and the Steelers would have been like, okay, how does Buffalo sound? We're going to get you to as close as can as we can get. Yeah. Oh, um, that would have been delicious. Yeah, third and fifth. I mean, that's cutting your losses. They got a little bit of something for him. Yeah, I'm sure they would have liked a two or higher. Um, but I don't I think, think I, you're going to get that now for a wide no, receiver on the wrong side of 30. For or a at 30. Who's getting old. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not what you were going to get. So it's fine. I, you know, you take your two best weapons uh, on the offensive side of the football from uh, a year ago. And now they're both going to be gone. They got to kind of rebuild, and uh, eh, it's what it is. I, I'm I'm glad not to have him anymore. It, it was time probably before now, so he's gone. NBA, cool. and the, and we just haven't talked much NBA, but a lot of talk on Twitter this past week. LeBron passed Michael Jordan in points, and uh, like last week when we talked about um, the combine, I don't care. I don't care that he passed Michael Jordan in points. That doesn't do anything for me. Michael Jordan, two years in his prime went and played a different sport. So it just doesn't mean anything. The stats in that comparison just don't mean anything. What does mean something to me is that the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs, something that Michael Jordan didn't do in his prime. LeBron's still enough in his prime. Like, I mean, he's he's on his way back down, but he's still there. And if he stayed on the East Coast, he's easily in the playoffs again. I guess that does discredit something. But he had the same recipe that he had in Cleveland a bunch of crappy players and he put the team on his back and did it in Cleveland. He couldn't get it done in LA and he's still going to be there. They still can add some pieces, but it's, he's, it's never going to be like it was in Cleveland for him where it was the LeBron show. He's going to have to add a big time player and all these Michael Jordan comparisons just go out the window for me. Not that I was there for him much. I would argue it, but now it's just be quiet with that. It's nothing. Oh, I definitely think you're exactly right. Uh, this means nothing to me. Uh, LeBron has bounced around something Michael Jordan didn't do. LeBron formed super teams, something Michael didn't do. Uh, I think really the only piece that was added through free agency was Dennis Rodman. Well, uh, that's when he was on the group, Bulls. There was some free agents, but none of those were of the level of a Dwayne Wade, of Chris uh, Bosh, Chris Bosh, of uh, Kevin Anthony Love. Davis, of anybody he's going to get in L.A., I mean, it was oh, he's Ron not getting Harper. Anthony Davis. It was Ron Harper and Steve Kerr and and just like these role guys. And then he would hit him in the face at practice. So it, uh, Michael Jordan, you know what, though? Can we go back to the NBA really quickly? Because you mentioned Anthony I Davis I was still here. Yeah, I, I, well, I want to go back to something else. You mentioned Anthony Davis. Why did the Pelicans fire their GM? I thought what he did was brilliant. I'm sorry. What do you want the GM to do? Let your franchise be a second rate organization and be bullied Maybe by you're giving him more credit than he deserved being Maybe. bullied by other teams and agents and players. I, I, I loved what he did sticking it to the Lakers. I loved every second of it. And I think the Pelicans ownership should be embarrassed of themselves. Well, I think in general, the Pelicans ownership should be embarrassed with themselves, but um, yeah, I don't know what's going on down there, but that was surprising to see that come out of there, especially mid season, uh, not after they lose Anthony Davis, I guess they're fired him for not keeping Anthony Davis there and be a franchise player. Okay, Well, uh, what do you want him to do? He can't make Anthony Davis sign a contract. I tell you what he can do. I guess as a GM, you it is he your responsibility to get good players him. to sign a contract. He can ship him elsewhere. Yeah. I'd ship him somewhere where he's going to hate it. Oh, no, no, all those NBA players have those no-trade clause. All those elite guys have those no-trade clause. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. He's still in his rookie deal, isn't he? Or no, he's not. I, I thought he know. had signed that short extension. I don't know. Who cares? But he had like a two-year. All right. Anyway... I don't care. Anybody wants to get on here and argue about LeBron being a better player than Michael Jordan. You're um, wrong, but this is America. Yeah, you're so wrong. You're Tweet us. We'll, we'll probably have you on because that's just going to be easy cake. All right. NASCAR. Uh, they were in Phoenix. The, the big reason I want to talk about this local boy, uh, Quinn Huff. He went out there. He started 35th, finished 30th. He finished the race. He's, he's a young guy playing in a series. He's not even racing every week. The key there is to finish races and not tear up cars finish as high as you can. I'm sure it's not the the dream scenario, a 30th finish in his first NASCAR race uh, in the top series, um, but it's a finish. It's good. He has a good schedule ahead of him. I'll tweet it out because I saw it this weekend, um, but local boy, I mean, he's from Weir's Cave, so uh, we're all rooting for him every week uh, that he so he can do well, uh, but um, Kyle Busch won the race, so that's what they're there to do, and uh, I don't like Kyle Busch. I don't like Kyle Busch either, but he did win. Paul Menard, 17th. Go Wood Brothers. Wallace was a couple laps behind there somewhere. Yeah, we don't even list him anymore. He's not successful enough. 
Uh, I just <laughs> I just didn't list them. They're on to California next, like you said. All right, so Cody Elliott on next, and we are excited to have them, and then we'll wrap things up after that. But stick with us. We're going to talk some East Rock. <laughs> All right, back here on the Yak Sports Podcast, and we are talking with Cody Elliott. I think uh, he's joining the Five Timers Club here for the podcast as uh, he's our most frequent guest. But, Cody, we love having you. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we jump into our stuff, I want everybody to upfront hear about you guys, uh, your new podcast that you guys are doing up there at the DNR. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got the, uh, the Rocktown Sports Podcast. Um uh, sports editor Jim Sacker, he came up with the idea. He wanted us to find some new ways to kind of stay in touch with the readers and provide some more content. So, um, yeah, myself, I get on there. I usually talk a little bit of prep sports with uh, Jim. And then um, Greg Medea, our JMU football guy, he usually will give you some kind of update on that, um, along with some Division three stuff. And then uh, we've got Shane Metlin, our basketball guy, who, who uh, provides some JMU basketball updates on the men's and women's side. So a little bit of everything from uh, up in uh, Rockingham County, uh, Harrisburg area on there. Definitely. And I've listened to it. And uh, yeah, for our listeners, uh, it's it's different information than what you're hearing here. Uh, definitely more Harrisonburg focused, though. They mentioned stuff happening down our way. So definitely a, a, a co-podcast, you know, a, co- a podcast that can go hand in hand with ours. Uh, you don't have to leave us for them or anything. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to bring you on because East Rock, uh, their season ended uh, not the way they wanted, but still they, they got to the ultimate game there in the championship game and uh, talk about East Rock's, uh, you know, big night uh, last Thursday or excuse me, I guess that was Saturday afternoon up at uh, Richmond in the state championship game. Yeah, it was just one of those games where, um, you know, I don't think East Rock actually played their best game, but at the same time, um, you know, Quentin Morton Roberts, Robertson um, plays for Raffer. He's a point guard. He's listed as 5'8". I'd probably say he looked more about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, he wasn't very big at all. And um, he just had one of those nights that there wasn't much you could do. Um, he had, had 41 points, uh, 24 in the second quarter alone, um, 7 of 9 from 3. Uh, you know, East Rock was, was draped all over him defensively. And he, he was just, you know, he, he was pulling up and hitting shots. That I, I don't know that there was much more that uh, Kerry Keyes could have wanted out of his guys. And he, he just, you know, it was one of those nights for him. And um, that really was the difference in the game. He, he went off in that second quarter, and they outscored East Rock by 21. And they ended up winning the game by 24. So I thought, you know, if, if, if that quarter doesn't happen, I thought, you know, East Rock had a much better chance. Um, you know, the freshman Tyler Nickel played really well for East Rock. Uh, the one key that, that probably hurt him was, uh, you know, the big man, the senior Dalton Jefferson, um, he never seemed to get in a rhythm early, and then, and then he got in some foul trouble. He ended up actually fouling out with about six minutes left in the game. Um, you know, by that point, the game was already decided, but still, uh, he wasn't his normal self. And um, you know, outside of Tyler Nichols, twenty-three points, they didn't even have anyone else in, in double digits. So uh, it was a combination of things. But like I said, when a guy ha- is having a night like Morton Robertson was having that night, um, you know, I don't think many teams around the state of Virginia would have been been able to beat them that night. Yeah, we were there last year. I, I mean, you were there too when uh, Gate City and Robert E. Lee played in that championship game and the atmosphere that was there. And it sounded like they had a pretty good atmosphere there. And and that uh, that player from Radford, uh, Morton Robinson, really stepped up and lived up to the moment. You know, talk about the atmosphere there and then also talk about, uh, you know, Morton Robinson specifically. I mean, he's, I think, committed to go to Radford University, so... Yeah, yeah, it's it's he he really has been on a tear. It, now, it, we were kind of comparing him there to, to Mac McClung, um, you know, there in the second quarter because we thought, you know, McClung's uh, forty-seven points he had against Lee last year that was in, in serious danger of being being uh, passed because he had thirty-two at half the other night. Um, he ended up just kind of playing, you know, slow ball on the second half, and not not shooting as much. But um, yeah, I mean, he really is, he really took over on the big stage, and I mean, I I think the, the whole arena much like it was against Lee last year when everybody was, you know, in awe at what McClung was doing. And McClung was more because of the dunks and the athleticism and stuff like that. And this kid, it was just his pure shooting. And the, and the way he was able to get his shots was what was so impressive because it wasn't off, you know, design plays and, and set plays to get, set him up in the corner or stuff like that. It was him dribbling around and getting enough separation just off his handles and different things like that and being able to pull up and drill these 25, 26 foot jumpers. And I think that's what left everybody in awe. And, you look at his uh, state tournament run. I mean, he scores 
35 in the quarterfinals. He scores 42 um, against Gate City uh, in the semifinals, and he's including I think he scored 26 of their 30 points in the final quarter of that one. And then um, against East Rock, like I said, 24 points in that second quarter, 41 for the night. Uh, finishes with 2,001 points for his career. Um, you know, it was just it was a, one of the more impressive performances I've seen in my, um, you know four or five years here now covering high school sports around the area. And, I mean, yeah, I think everybody in that arena that night left just in awe at what they saw because I mean, it, it was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Um, so before we move on to East Rockingham and what the future looks like, I, I want to go back to something you mentioned. You know, you said Jefferson struggled to get going in the game. Do you think it was something of just not his night, or did you notice something Radford was doing to take him out of his game? Well, it's interesting because going into the game, a lot of people had, and I talked to several coaches who had seen both teams and, and stuff like that, and a lot of people acted like Radford was known mostly for their speed, which makes sense in terms of Morton Robertson because he is only 5'6", he's just very quick. But it wasn't like Radford didn't have size. Um, they had Miles Jones, who's about 6'5", um, in, the, in the low post. He's also going to Radford University next year. He's the son of Mike Jones, the Radford University coach. Um, he didn't need to do much that night because of Morton Robertson, but he's obviously a very capable player. He's going to Division One school in the Big South. Um, they had a couple other big bodies in there, and, and I, they were just a very sound defensive team. So I think what happened was early on, um, you know, Dalton wasn't able to establish himself inside. Instead, he kind of relied on, on shooting threes a little bit early, wasn't really taking it inside much, and he, he I think he started off like over three or four from three. And then from there, you know, it seemed like, and on the other hand, Tyler got going, and he was the really – early on, he was the only option for East Rock offensively. And I think as the game progressed, Dalton just never got comfortable. Um, you, you know, Radford's coach talked afterwards about making it hard for him when he was, went to catch the ball. Um, he felt like, you know, throughout East Rock's run, he, he didn't see many teams kind of keep the ball from getting to Dalton easily. And uh, he, Radford really made it hard on him to get the ball on Saturday night. And I think that he just got frustrated – and, um, that, you know, that resulted in more fouls. That resulted in, you know, him starting to shoot less than he normally would, maybe because he was just out of sync, out of rhythm. And, yeah, he just never got into rhythm. I mean, he, did, he didn't even get his first points until midway through the third quarter and then got, you know, two more later in the frame. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those nights. I, I, I don't know that even if he would have scored 20-25, I still just don't think it was it was going to be East Rock's night that night. So... Uh... I've seen Quentin Morton Robinson play. Now, it's been a couple of years since I've seen him. You've seen Mac McClung and Quentin Morton Robinson back-to-back years. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Which one do you think is better? Which one do you think is going to have more of a promising career at the collegiate level? And now, I mean, you've gotten to see Mac in his freshman year at Georgetown uh, have a pretty successful season. But do you think we could see that kind of production from Morton Robinson at the next level? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, I, I don't know if I could say which one's better because, you know, I, like after after McClung's junior year when Lee went on to win the state championship that year, I left and I, I, I told people, well, you know, he was a good player, but I wasn't, you know, overly blown away. And then last year watching the state championship, I felt like he took his game to another level and he really, I mean, I left there feeling like he was an elite prospect. And obviously he's proven to be that, you know, this year at Georgetown. Um, then the other night, you know, I'm sitting there in the pregame, like, how is that guy going to go division one looking at Morton Robertson with his size? You you just don't see many guys that small able to succeed. And then I sit there and I'm watching him, you know, find this little bit of separation. It's almost like a Stephen Curry, Trey Young type of deal where he just needs a little bit of separation to get that shot off. And that's what it reminded me of. And I mean, it, it, watching him do that against, you know, the length of East Rock, um, you know, I mean, it's got to give you some kind of hope that he's, he can at least give himself a chance when he goes off to Radford. Um, obviously, Radford's not quite as, as big of a school as Georgetown either. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, he was extremely impressive. The way he shot the ball, obviously, then he'll go, he'll go to a program where they'll, be, he'll probably even design more plays and set him up in, in good spots. So, yeah, I mean, I think he definitely uh, has a chance to succeed at the college level. Um, you know, his size certainly didn't hold him back the other night. You got to love that Radford University went and got him. And so, I mean, they'll they'll pack that gym, maybe not pack it, but they're going to sell tickets to home games all season long for the next four years just because they have that kid there. Uh, Joe and I talked about that earlier this year with Nickel. Like, JMU should be all over that kid. Yeah, I think that's – if I had to say a favorite for Tyler Nickel, he's only a freshman, but I would say JMU is definitely the favorite. He's, both of his parents work there, and he, he's, he has a lot of ties to there. And 
Um, that's why when a lot of people ask me, you know, well, can you strike keep Tyler Nickel in Elkton? Um, you know, a lot of people seem to think he's going to go to Miller School or Blair School. Um, I'm not sold on that completely because I think that, uh, you know, he would be very happy to go to JMU. I think that's kind of where he has his sights set. Um, you know, I don't know that for sure, but uh, just just – I think that that's a that's a program that he would really like to play for. I guess I'll say it that way. And um, he can do that in Elkton. He doesn't need to go anywhere else, to obviously, to do that. So, um, yeah, that's that's something to keep an eye on. The JMU Tyler Nichols thing is something that it has already, you know, gained some attention up here, um, and will certainly continue to increase as his career goes along. Yeah. So I I, I want to name the floor after him. So he did. they're in Harrisonburg. <laughs> so uh, we have it on tape. He said that like six podcasts ago. So uh, when they do that. Uh, We'll credit Joe. So. <laughs> <laughs> but now let's move on to the future. You know, we've mentioned Tyler Nickel. What else does East Rock have to look forward to coming back for next year? Well, they, they definitely have their hands full in terms of uh, their rotation is going to change up completely. They're going to have Tyler Nickel back and they're going to have Tyson McNair back. And Tyson McNair doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion, for how good he, he does as a point guard and his ability as, as a left-hander. He's kind of shifty. He, um, you know, I really like his game. He's able to get to the rim a lot. Um, if he can develop his jumper just a little bit better next year, he's trained it at times. He wasn't as consistent enough this year. But if he can develop that even more, he's going to be a really, really good player next year. Um, him and him and Tyler together are going to be a really good duo for them. Um, it'll just be the, a matter of replacing those other guys around him. They played eight players this year and six of them were seniors. So um, they've got some guys on that bench. Kyle Evick, uh, Matthew Good, some guards that have some athleticism. Um, I've seen them in some open gyms throughout the summer and stuff like that. And they're, they're some solid players. They just they couldn't find their way in the rotation this year with so much experience. But, um, you know, I think they'll still be a decent team next year. And I think they've got a chance to compete in the Shenandoah district. And then from there, obviously, as we've seen, if you do well in the Shenandoah, well, be... like the last couple of, well, yeah, next year, the bull run, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, as we've seen, same region, region though, yeah. Be, yeah, if you can get out, out in the Shenandoah, out of the bull run, that region seems to do pretty well at the state level every year. They've seen to get somebody up there. So um, I think they'll, ha- I think they'll be all right. Um, you know, they've got some other pieces that need to develop, but they've certainly got a nice core right there at that one, two spot with, with Tyler and Tice. Some of those guys that are leaving, particularly Jefferson, probably first in my mind is what's Jefferson's, uh, you know, post high school plans. Is, is he playing to planning to play somewhere or what's going on? Yeah, I, I, he'll definitely be playing somewhere. I think his his recruitment really picked up over this, this the playoffs. Um, he had a Division two offer from Shepard earlier in the year, and that was that was kind of a big deal. But then yeah. um, he, uh, you know, I think he he seems like a perfect ODAC player to me. I mean, he he's got that frame. He can shoot it. He just I I think he could do really really well at the at the uh, D three ODAC level. And um, I know EMU with their ties to Kerry Keys and, and, you know, him being a former assistant, they've been to almost every game, I think, the past few weeks. And then I know Lynchburg just showed some interest the other night when I was there. Um, so, I mean, I think he's a Division three, maybe a Division two player, but there's no doubt I think that he can be a very good Division three player if he does so. Yeah, I think he could. Yeah, I agree. I think he could be very successful at Division three, uh, Division two. I wouldn't rule him out. You know, he has that frame. He would have to add some some weight to himself. Probably mm-hmm. even in the ODAC, he's going to have to add some weight. But, you know, the higher you go, the more bulk you're going to have to build up. But, yeah, I think he could be very well in uh, Division Three. I agree. Um, just for our listeners, if you guys want to hear more, I assume uh, the uh, Rocktown Sports Podcast is going to talk more about the Stewart Strat, or excuse me, the uh, Spotswood Girls. So listen to that podcast or, and follow the DNR to get updated with that. Uh, we haven't had good girls basketball uh, in, uh, region, in Class 3 down here. So. Probably not too many people uh, following as closely, but congratulations to Spotswood. Cody, on the spot, just looking ahead, spring sports, if you had to pick one or two teams in your area up there that have a chance of winning a state title in a sport, what teams should we be looking out for from the Valley District in Rockingham County? Well, I think the first team that comes to mind is uh, Turner Ashby softball. Um, they did, they barely lost anything from a team that went to the quarterfinals a year ago, and they've got two girls that have uh, signed Division One letter of intents. Um, Michaela Sizik, a pitcher, and Carly Davis, um, a third baseman. They they are they are absolutely loaded from top to bottom. I fully expect them to be competing for a state title this year. Um, and JMU's you know, girl, uh, JMU softball's catcher, she's a TA kid, isn't she? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so, they're, yeah, there's they're, they're 
FTA seems to be back kind of where it used to be years ago in terms of uh, the state level. And then on the other side, TA baseball, um, you know, you've got the Broadway, uh, I mean, Spotswood boys and girls soccer teams are pretty decent, but the only other team I could really see that actually has a chance, I think, of winning a state title could be uh, the Turner Ashby boys or Turner Ashby baseball team. Um, you know, they've got a good program there and they like, again, kind of like the softball team, they've kind of gotten back to that, that old age of where TA was really, really good in those spring sports. And, um, I fully expect both those teams to have deep postseason runs. Well, awesome. We will watch out for them and probably not good news for, uh, Fort Defiance and Waynesboro, uh, for having to face TA in those sports, but we'll keep our eye out for them. Cody, thanks for coming on with us. And, uh, we look forward to having you again on next time. Yep. Awesome guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, Cody. All right, we're in the D block here, and we're going to talk about us. Joe, what is dominating your life? Well, Leland, Liverpool had a big win this weekend in the Premier League. Hey, they won something. Yeah, four to two. Um, it really got. I mean, the big two looked really good. It it looked like uh, what was a shaky start, bad officiating. Um, our goalie was fouled, and the foul was not called, which is really unusual. Um, just a bit of bad luck, but we responded well, got that win. Gave me a little bit of faith. It's the Champions League. This is the only chance I think we have of actually winning a trophy now is the Champions League. We enter the second leg. 0-0. That game is Wednesday. And I had to be reminded when I was listening to the Liverpool anthem uh, before the game Sunday morning, lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark at the end of the storm there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark walk on through the wind walk on through the rain though your dreams be tossed and blown walk on walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone you'll never walk alone all right, you done with that? Those are moving words, Leela McRae. <laughs> Maybe good advice. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm never gonna walk alone. How about that? All right. What's dominating my life? All right. I'm not gonna dive into the politics of all this, but <laughs> I am. I like the new name. For yeah, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with the name. I like the Stanton Storm. Mm-hmm. If you don't. Didn't want the name to change. It's time to put cl- turn that page and move on. And they're going to be the Stanton High School, and they're going to be the Storm. I like the I like the whole deal. I think I think it's good. They chose between the Storm and the Warriors. My niece got to vote. I thought on it was it. Chargers. Or Chargers. Sorry, 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 sorry. Mm-hmm. The Chargers or the Storm. She voted on the Storm. I agreed with her. She liked the logo. I think the logo they showed if they had something a little bit different, that'd be fun. I think you should go with like a tornado type thing or clouds or clouds some kind of with cold lightning. Front. I'm, I'm more of the clouds with lightning for the storm. Yeah, if you want a yeah. tornado, be called the twisters or something, but well, it's just some version of that. I, I would maybe go that direction just cause yeah, I don't, I didn't get the Trojan looking guy. I didn't yeah, get a warrior that. type thing is done a lot and you have a little more options with the storm, I think, but that's fine. That being said, I'll get over it. Yeah, even if they stick with the exact logo we saw, I'm fine with it. People are trying to compare it to the Riverheads logo. You know what? As soon as you're a gladiator, a warrior, a Trojan, anything like that, you're going to look somewhat similar, just like all the Wildcats and Cougars look a lot alike. You know, it's a cat with ears. You know, it just is what it is. So if they stick with that, fine. Let's let's go forward. But I like the name, I, and it's it's good. I, I'm good. I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm tired of any comments of that the name shouldn't change i'm just so sick of it we're past it yeah i agree all right what i know that you need to know and i'll go first here vsdbs to sean manning went over a thousand points that school's been open since 1921 or they've been playing basketball there since 1921 he's only the 14th kid to ever do that that's an accomplishment at you know, it's a kid battling some challenges outside of the game, you know, battling more than just a defender in front of him. And uh, for him to, you know, be that prolific and score and score a thousand points and seeing that it hadn't been done many times before, really proud of him. I 
uh, in my real job. I had worked on VSDB campus there for four years uh, during while they had their uh, renovation and construction projects and really got to know what those students were battling. And um, it, it's intense and it, they really battle hard um, to what they're doing. So to celebrate the accomplishment that Deshaun Manning had, I, I wanted to bring that up on the podcast. Really a big fan of what they do there for those kids. I know they're up against a lot with budget challenges and and what happens, uh, you know, at the Capitol. Uh, but I appreciate what they do there, and I, I just wanted to call him out. Congratulations to him. Yeah, very good accomplishment for him. Uh, what I know that you need to know, just to show, you know, UVA fans, I am realistic about my own team, and I wish fans would be realistic. Um, I, uh, Adam Jones signed a one-year deal for $3 million with the Arizona Diamondbacks and you would have thought someone walked in to the city of Baltimore and burned down Cal Ripken's statue. Uh, it, I mean, these What's people, Cal Ripken's statue made out of, I don't know. Well, I guess they would have had to tear it down, but I mean, these people are, have been absolutely nuts. Uh, let me read you some comments on the Baltimore Sun page. I'm, hey, I uh, had to look up what happened when I saw you have this on the notes. I was like, what did Pac-Man do now? No, not that, not that Adam <laughs> Jones. Um, there's been one realistic comment on this. What did you say? No blank. Nobody, I didn't comment this. No <laughs> blank. Nobody wanted a center fielder on the wrong side of 30 who can't play the position anymore with a subpar batting average combined with the fact he doesn't know how to take a walk. Shocking. Thank you. Here are some of the other great comments. The Orioles are just stupid for not signing him. One of the best players of all time. Nope. If you took everyone in the Hall of Fame and pretend they never existed, he would still not be one of the best players of all time. Yeah. No. My goodness. That's some bad What a total sham. Really? Three million? You mean the Orioles could not have afforded that? All the work he's done for the communities and underprivileged? Shame on the Orioles again. If we want to hire Adam Jones as like a permanent member of the Baltimore Boys and Girls Club, cool. But yeah, we're not going to put him on the Orioles. After he plays. Great. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to put him on the Orioles because as you were saying there, Leland, what does Adam Jones bring to this team other than clogging up a roster spot when we need to figure out if the young outfielders we have, which is yeah. actually one of the most promising parts of our team. Develop the next center fielder. What is there? Can Cedric Mullins play at the next level? That's what we need to know. We don't need to know if Adam Jones, how much worse Adam Jones can play. Because let me tell you, folks, he's not going to get better. The you fact know, that he only signed for a $3 million deal tells you that fans in Baltimore are the only fans that think he's good. Nobody yeah. else cares. I didn't think he was any good last year. And I'll tell you, yeah, I agree. The Orioles management are crazy on how they treat Adam Jones. They should have gotten some value out of him and traded his butt last year. I mean, they, they tried. They, Adam Jones they, vetoed the trade. So they, sorry, Adam Jones. Now you get to go on to free agency. You're trying to sell that mansion you bought from Cal Ripken. And good luck selling that thing because that is way high of a price in real estate in Baltimore or just outside of Baltimore. Um, yikers. Now you're going to go to Arizona for one year. You might as well keep the house because you're going to your career is going to be over after this year in Arizona. And then yeah. you can retire back to Maryland and just, and you could be some kind of front office assistant, uh, public face for the Orioles. You can come back and do that. That's fine. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't care if he's that meaningful to the fan base and the management wants to do that. I wouldn't be against that. Like, I mean, that's Adam Jones is barely, barely an Orioles hall of famer in my opinion. Yeah. You know, last week you said Trumbo or uh, uh, Mike Trout. Trumbo, you said Trout was the best player of all time on our podcast. I did. I stand by that. When it's all said and done, Mike Trout is going to be the best player Man, of all time. That's a that's a bold statement. I like we have a predictions. Uh, thing is he going to be? Up. That's worth writing down. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm is a guy saying... who slurped down beers and ate hot dogs during the game going to beat him out, Babe Ruth? Because if Babe Ruth played today, Babe Ruth would be Adam Jones. I always like to make my argument, and I know it's a debatable argument. I think King Griffey Jr. in his prime played the game at the highest level it's ever been played. Yeah. He just didn't do it for long enough for him to be the best player of all time. But yeah, I think but I think Mike Trout period. is. I think Mike Trout is. I think he has, a, he like like Tony Bennett, he has some stuff to do ahead of him. 
to to prove that. I have more faith that uh, that one of those guys will go on to be the greatest than the other. But but I, I think here's the difference. Mike Trout is putting up best individual ever numbers, and I think he's going to do that. Um, Pujols did that for a time period too. Who? Albert Pujols. Yeah, but I think he's going to teammate. <laughs> yeah, I think Trout. Mike Trout's going to stay on this projection because Mike Trout doesn't strike out like Albert Pujols does. Mike Trout is a rare gem in today's game because he, he's a guy he, who I mean, doesn't want to strike out. You're not insane to be saying this. I just think it's a it's a bold thing to put out there that it's going to be fun to watch. I don't think and it's you that might bold, be right. But yeah, but it's going to take some time and a lot of stats, and he's going to have to win some. He's going to produce some World Series. He doesn't have to, I guess, but he's going to produce some a lot of wins if he's going to be the kind of player that you're talking about no because baseball is one out of every nine your impact in baseball is less than any other sport if he is gonna produce the numbers that needs to do to do what you're saying they're gonna win some games he's gonna have his team winning a lot of games no because if he's the only guy producing and the other eight guys in the lineup are poop then then he's not gonna be protecting he's gonna get walked all the time okay okay it's going to be hard for him to hit an RBI. I, when I think when the other team is up like 5 nothing, I don't think they care if Mike Trout hits a home run. If he's going to be the best player of all time, his team's going to win at some point. Well, he's been the best player in baseball up to this point in his career, and he's only been to one playoff. So, I mean, I guess well, I, I would say and plays with Bryce. he's not going to the Phillies. Write that down, too. All right, tomorrow for you and I recording this podcast, it's a big day. Because you should have to be required to go. I'm not going. I don't want the pancakes. And get your free short stack of pancakes since it's the greatest restaurant that's ever existed. It's not the greatest restaurant that's ever existed. And I don't like pancakes all that much. I'm not crazy about pancakes. It is miles ahead of Denny's. I'm not not crazy for pancakes, but I mean. You're waiting for omelet day, huh? Yeah. If they want to give me an omelet day, I'll be there. I just want to make sure you knew about it. Everybody else listening, unless you're listening uh, Tuesday night, you're going to have done missed it. But put it on the calendar for next year. Free short stack of pancakes at IHOP uh, Tuesday the uh, 12th. So uh, get it if you still can. Ah, pancakes are just pancakes. I mean, why would I lose my mind over pancakes? The people that get excited about that, I'm just like, have you never had bacon before? Like, People like free things. What's all? Like, speaking of that, while and this is a relevant subject, this ad campaign by McDonald's with the bacon and the Big Mac, like, the oh, Big which Mac one is could luckier? never exist and we'd all be fine. Bacon is one of the greatest foods of all time. So, like, what are they talking about? Like, did the bacon make the Big Mac or the Big Mac make bacon? Like, shut up with that. Be be happy that you're in the presence of bacon. Shut up with your Big Mac. Yeah. Bacon is why I could never go on a full vegan or vegetarian diet. I love it too much. I love bacon. Bacon on top of meat is one of the reasons I can't do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I could never do that. One, I would bacon die. Bacon wrapped meat is the reason. I, I mean, yeah, I'm with you on, I heard that commercial for the first time today where it was like, <laughs> is the, is bacon lucky to be on the Big Mac? And I was like, no. bacon is is the greatest of all time it is the it's the babe ruth meats so no uh, that's uh, insulting to bacon (laughs) i think babe ruth had his share of bacon we we can probably put those two together yeah be just fine i did appreciate i started watching a little more cbs basketball this weekend kind of seeing some of the ads ahead of time of what we're going to see repeated over and over all next week when we get to the tournament i like that uh boost mobile where they talk about the resting glitch face that's 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 my kind of humor for a commercial yeah that's where i'm at speaking of tournaments the tourney bracket challenge leland's going to be posting that link up here soon on our twitter and facebook page make sure you're joining to challenge us we'll be inviting all of our guests that we've interviewed as well of course our loyal listeners are welcome to join when I win, obviously the prize is not going to be for me to be on the podcast because that's something. Can I you do take a day off? That might all be the good time. <laughs> what we're going to do is the first person <laughs> not named me that finishes highest uh, gets to join us on this episode. Uh, so we're looking forward to having that person on. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, I probably won't win, but I'm going to keep won't. talking. Like I will, because I'm constantly told that positive attitude 
equals results. So I'm just going to be as positive as possible and not look at the oncoming tractor trailer that is disappointment and my bracket being busted. But anyway, make sure you're following us on Twitter at YakSportsPod. Like us on Facebook, YakSportsPodcast. Be sure to comment. Tell us why LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. We'll be sure to tell you why you're wrong next week. Tell us why Tony Bennett is the greatest coach of all time, even though he has not accomplished anything remotely close to having that qualification and title on his resume. And He's a good coach. He's just not there yet. Yeah. And then uh, tell me why Mike Trout is not the greatest baseball player of all time and why Babe Ruth is. Looking at you, Mike Wolfrey, because uh, he's a Yankees fan, and I'm sure if Tom happens to catch this episode, he'll be telling me about how great Babe Ruth was too. Uh, but whatever. I like my athletes to be athletic. Call me crazy. Until next week, for Leela McRae, I'm Joe Deck. This has been Yak Sports Podcast, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.